This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Roundball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Monday, November 1st, and today we are looking at some key fantasy takeaways from the weekend that just passed and from week two at large. As we head into week three, we'll talk some Miles Bridges, some Robert Williams, some struggling stars, and much more. All coming up on this episode as I'm joined now by Dr. A, Steve Alexander. Steve, how are things? Uh, things are okay, okay, Matt. Had a great time at the World Series Game 3 on Friday. Smooth. Smooth sailing all the way there, except uh, dude sitting in front of us turns around in the middle of the game, hadn't said a word all night. And out of nowhere, he looks at my daughter and I, and he's like, come on, you guys, get fired up. We got a no-hitter going. And I (laughs) thought my daughter was going to strangle him. And, of course, the the very next pitch, Houston got a hit. So we're like, thanks a lot, buddy. You know, and he was wearing a Greg. He was wearing Unreal. a Greg Maddox jersey. I, I'm thinking if you're wearing a Maddox jersey, you should know that you don't talk about a no hitter in the middle of a no hitter. But are you sure it was not Greg Maddox? Yes. Are you positive I, that, of okay. that? I am positive. This was more okay. of a hipster looking gentleman. I'm not even really superstitious. I'm watching a game with my dad, who was visiting over the weekend. But I even in that moment, I knew I wouldn't even say my dad and I wouldn't even say it to each other. You know what I mean? We weren't even referencing it. We kind of gave each other a look, you know? Oh, th- there were five people in my party at the game. And we're all like looking at the scoreboard, you know, in the fifth inning, the sixth inning. We're kind of glancing at each other. But no, you nobody said anything. And this dude just, I mean, yeah. he just blurted it out. So luckily the Braves hung on to win, win that game. And, and at the end he turned around and he's like something like, well, they didn't get the no-hitter, but they won the game, and that's all that matters, man. And I was like, you're right, but I hope to never see you again, sir. Okay. I think most of our listeners hope to never hear us talk about baseball again. Sorry, everyone. Baseball season Baseball season is almost over, and now we move to why we're actually here today, basketball. Fantasy hoops heading into week three. Steve, uh, we wanted to start with uh, something we saw just before we came on here, a tweet from Casey Holdall, uh, who I think covers the Blazers, if I have that right, but tweeting that Joel Embiid out for rest purposes on Monday. Steve, I, I initially saw that and you know I just think, okay, well, we know Embiid's going to rest throughout the season, but when you and I were talking right before this, you pointed out, well, you know, there has been talk about you know, is, you know, is he already dealing with that knee? What are your thoughts on this? Just when you see, do you take rest simply at face value or do you, I guess, have a slightly bigger concern that we're already seeing, you know, possibly wear and tear on Embiid show up? I think if you go back and read the Sports Edge blurbs about Joel Embiid, there's a pattern that his right knee has been an issue really all season. For Saturday, he was questionable because of the right knee. And he actually became available and played in that game. And he's yet to miss a game this season. I think this will be his first missed game. But I think Embiid missing one out of every 
eight to 10 games is probably just a realistic thing that's going to happen, especially if the knee has been bugging him this year. So um, he was able to play on Saturday. He looked pretty good, 19 points, five boards, uh, played 30 minutes, but he is going to rest on Monday. Kind of weird that it's not a back-to-back. That's a little concerning. But go ahead and get Andre Drummond all fired up for your uh, DFS tonight. As as a show of solidarity for Embiid's knee barking at him, my dog has begun barking in the adjacent room. So I thought that was a nice nice moment from Ozzy the dog to uh, to show his sympathy. Also, I'm curious as to how many games the Sixers play this week because that changes things. Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. So they've got a um, thir- Wednesday, Thursday back-to-back so that is a little bit of a concern for Embiid. Um, the four-game week becomes a three-game week with him sitting out Monday. So now, I mean, if you're in a weekly league and you may only have Embiid for two games and you have a four-game guy, do you, do you mess with that, Matt? Do you think about playing Al Horford for four instead of Embiid for two or three? This is why I don't willingly play in weekly leagues, Steve, <laughs> <laughs> in, in the year 2021. Um, I don't even want to, no, I don't know. I can't even, I can't even process that decision. Aren't most people in daily leagues now, fantasy wise? You gotta be, right? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would hope so. But like 30 deep and UBC, I mean, I'm in some leagues where we have to make that decision today. So yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people, you know, people hang on to tradition. People hang on to old school ways. I mean, I doubt anybody still runs stats by hand, Matt, but there are some people who still do some, some strange things uh, when we have technology that could fix that problem. I doubt anyone still runs stats by hand, says the guy who actually runs a NASCAR pool by hand still. Oh, well, yeah, you're right. I, I do do that. It's the bane of my existence. Let's go now to, uh, I wanted to, I wanted to talk to you about Steve, this, let's say I had told you, before the season, let's say I told you a couple weeks into the season, there's a 23-year-old forward who has made a a bold leap to first-round fantasy value so far, averaging 24.6 points, 7.7 rebounds, 2.7 dimes, 1.6 steals, 0.7 blocks, 2.9 threes. His name starts with an M. His name starts, this guy who's doing this, his name starts with an M, an exciting young 23-year-old. You would have said to me, well, of course, Matt, that is going to be Michael Porter Jr. Turns out that man <laughs> is... 23-year-old Miles Bridges, who has been absolutely ridiculous for the Hornets so far. And during all of our conver- off-season conversations, if you remember, Steve, we were all saying, well, we love this guy, but what about the other guys? What about P.J. Washington, et cetera? You know, they added Kelly Oubre. It's just, it seems crowded there. Gordon Hayward come back from injury. Bridges was crushing it without Hayward last year. So what are your thoughts on uh, what we've seen from Miles Bridges so far? My thoughts are that I love this Charlotte Hornets team. I love Miles Bridges. I love LaMelo Ball. Uh, I love watching them play on TV. And I am surprised at how good Bridges is. I I guess I'm not totally surprised that Bridges is is fully blowing up in our face. But like you said, all those concerns we had and just the fact that he's never really looked um, like a guy who had that full breakout capacity in him, I I didn't really expect to see this coming. And now – uh, whenever I set a DFS lineup, I'm like, ooh, 
where's Miles Bridges? I got to go get him. Because he just, he looks like a man amongst boys out there. And he's just so fun. I remember, you know, I, I think, I want to think that I said during one of those podcasts, I'm I'm inclined to bet on the talent when it comes to Bridges. You know, I know there's all those question marks, but I want to bet on the talent when I get into the 90, 100 range in my drafts. I think I actually said that and didn't just imagine that I said that. But either way, it didn't materialize for me in my drafts to where I was making that bet consistently. I kept missing out on him in a lot of my drafts. And man, I'm regretting it. You know, if you ask me, like, obviously, I think I would err on the side of first round seems a little unsustainable for him just because it's so far and above what we would have imagined. But I do think, I don't know, it's starting to feel like early round value is very realistic if you just want to kind of you know, look at this conservatively and say, how is this going to pan out? I mean, I, I do feel like, I don't know, is, is it top 30? I don't know what it's going to end up being, but it, it's pretty clear that he's a big priority for them. We saw Terry Rogier was back. So basically their full rotation last night. And I think Brid- Bridges led the team in minutes in that game, I believe. Yeah. I mean, he's not going away. Like this is, this is real. Well, so Michael Porter Jr. and Miles Bridges are actually the same age. And that was kind of uh, where I wanted to go next. Two very different stories here in terms of what our expectations were and what has actually happened. Over the weekend, Michael Porter Jr. shot 5 for 12 and 3 for 14 in back-to-back games. He's now sitting, Steve, at 10.8 points per game on 33.3% shooting. And you wrote in the dose, the Daily Dose over the weekend that you're not worried. I think you said something like, everything's fine. It's totally fine. I think it's fine. (laughs) Where are you at with MPJ heading into week three? Yeah, I mean... It's been a couple of days since I wrote that. I don't think he's played since then. You know, every single year we have someone who does this and gets off to a really slow start. And then, you know, you and I and every other fantasy analyst out there is like, it's fine. Everything is fine. Just hang in there. It's no big deal. And sometimes, usually with like one guy, we find ourselves like two months later going, it's fine. He's going to turn it around. Everything's going to be okay. And at that point, everything is not fine. Um, We are six games into this season, six MPJ games in, and it's been horrible. I'm going to give it six more games. If after 12 games, we are still saying what is wrong with MPJ? Why is his shot broken? You know, he shot over 40% from three point land the first two seasons. And this season he's at 25%. Um, his shooting is at 33 when he shot 51 and 54 in the other, other two seasons. So, I mean, this is bad, but the nuggets are fully invested in him. Uh, Mike Malone has his back. According to the comments that we're seeing, I have a MPJ Jersey that I did not wear today because you always seem to get offended that you don't see your, your Trey Young gift to me <laughs> enough. I pulled out Trey instead of Thank MPJ, you. but I'll wear MPJ uh, for the next one. And, um, you know, I've got him in my DFS lineup tonight, and I don't know that's either going to look really smart or really stupid. The only thing that gives me a little bit of optimism is the rest of the supporting stats are mostly there. The blocks aren't there. I think he's at 0.2 blocks, which is a disappointment because he was almost one per game last year. But six rebounds, 2.3 assists, that would be a career high. 1.3 steals, that would be a career high. And even with all this horrendous shooting that you referenced, 1.73s. So we really may not be that far away from... It's not like so, so many things have to fall into place. I think it's really some shots need to start falling. And uh, But that we don't... I mean, that can take a while. 
That can take a while. We can't just magically snap our fingers. He could break out of it tonight. Like he could. I'm I'm really honestly not worried about MPJ yet. Now that's all I got. Okay, so I wanted to talk about a few other uh, players who are struggling early on. Jaron Jackson Jr. is, I guess, kind of in a similar situation because he's sitting there shooting 30.3, from the field. And I think I land in the same place, Steve. I mean, it's another one where just looks like the shot's not falling and the rest of the stats are there. I mean, he's blocking shots. He's never... We never really think that Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be a monster rebounder. It just looks like that's what we're going to have to deal with. He's a five or six rebounds per game guy who blocks some shots and hits some threes. And I think he's going to be okay, too. I have a couple of these guys uh, on the same roster, and it's I have both of them on the same roster in some places. It's, it's not the best. Not the best situation. I've got a lot of MPJ, but I do not have a lot of JJJ because Jonas is most of my leagues with me. So... And you know, JJJ is is Jonas's guy. So part of the reason that I'm a big JJJ fan is because I've literally been brainwashed by Jonas for three years. You know, I haven't really watched Jaron Jackson Jr. play that much. I haven't really studied his game. You know, my buddy Keelan that I mention often, I was talking to him, and he uh, he mentioned that JJJ went to Park Tudor. Uh, high school in Indianapolis, which is a private school that I, I grew up very close to. I didn't know he went to, to Park Tudor, but, you know, he's Jaron Jackson Jr. It You know, as long as he's healthy, I don't really care what the numbers do. He's going to get it going, right? I, I'd much rather have him not be able to shoot the ball right now than have him dealing with foot problems or ankle problems or knee problems. Like, as long as he's healthy, uh, I'm really not going to worry about JJJ. I mean... I was just looking through the rankings. Uh, I was looking on basketballmonster.com, but I think Yahoo, you know, average rankings, season average rankings, you'd see something similar just to get some perspective on just how potentially early it is. Some of the outliers I noticed, Harrison Barnes is currently ranked 12th. Carmelo Anthony is currently ranked 46th. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is down at 92nd. Damian Lillard is 95th, Steve. De'Aaron Fox is 268th. And... Your very own Luka Doncic is 76th overall at the start of week three. So there are some, uh, some things are going to correct themselves. Some things won't, some things will. But just a reminder that it is still absurdly early, even though we kind of are trying to believe the things we see with our eyes. Some of these things are going are gonna to level off quite a bit. Well, yeah. And, you know, honestly, maybe we'll transition to this because I don't think you had him on your list, but I'm more worried about Luca than I am MPJ or Jaron Jackson Jr. Because Luca's shooting has just been bad. He looks a little slow to me. Uh, his free throw shooting, still not right. The turnovers and, and weird sloppy passes are still there. Um, I kind of thought that he was going to come into this season ready to just wreck people. And I don't feel like that's that's what's happening right now. So I'm prepared to lose another jersey on, on Luca. I'm not giving up on Luca. I just thought he would be – I thought he'd look a lot better uh, this far into the season than he has. He's shooting 42.7 from the floor. Again, only through six games. That would tie his rookie year for the worst – uh, his worst mark there. He's shooting 23.8% on threes. He's shooting 67.9% from the free throw line, which would be a low even for him. And 
free throw attempts are down 4.7 from 7.1 last year. So do with that what you will. I mean, his scoring is down. I don't know. At some point, some of these are not. I don't know. We, we can call all of these shooting slumps, I guess, if we want to. I, I think I'd still be inclined to do that in his case, too, Steve. You're, you're more worried than that, though. I mean, I'm not worried to the point I'm going to do anything about it. I mean, I just thought he'd be better by now. Like, I, I'm starting to, to wonder, I mean, is is Luca as great as I think, think he is? You know, <laughs> I guess that's where we are. Yeah, I mean, I've always thought that he wasn't as great as everyone. Not not in real life, but in fantasy, I've always thought that he was. I never understood why people were going to take him in the top three or top five drafts or whatever. And why are you looking at me like that? You still feel that way? What? Yeah. Yeah, why wouldn't I feel that way? Because, I mean, what we've seen him do throughout his young career. He wasn't a top 10 fantasy player last year. Oh, you don't understand. You you understand why Dallas took it. You know, wanted him at number three. No, I'm saying why fantasy managers would, why fantasy managers. I got you. I feel a little bit like we're seeing different things, right? And I'm not like some people want to draft in the first round and I don't see that. I don't see that. I never really have. I've never understood it. I got you. Because I don't. So I don't know. Well, when I win, when I win the NBC Sports Edge uh, draft show league, with Luca as my number one overall pick, I you'll you'll understand it then, Matt. Well, I do in a points league. I get it. So that's the one caveat I should say. I'm really talking about nine categories here um, that I don't quite see it. And what about De'Aaron Fox? I mean, this is a guy that I think all of these guys would fall under trade targets for me, more or less. All of these struggling guys that we're talking about, and De'Aaron Fox has been so disappointing. I was very high on him coming into the year. And 268th overall, he's just—he's another guy, Steve, who's just shooting it really poorly. Yeah, I did not see this coming from Deer and Fox. But, you know, the rebounds, the assists, the steals, they're all okay. The turnovers are a little high. He's up four turnovers. Um, the shooting is bad, for sure. He's got to get it turned around, right? And Buddy Heald's been better than I thought he was going to be. So Kings are a, lot, a little weird, man. There's a lot of guards on that team. I think I stick with your MPJ analysis though, when it comes to all these guys, like give it a, a, a block of games, decide what that number is for you. Don't do anything drastic until that time is up and then figure out where you're at. Because the way that Fox finished the season, we talked about it a bunch. I mean, he was so dominant down the stretch last year. I think that's, this is still the same player. I think all of these guys, you do what I was saying with miles bridges, you bet on the talent. These are all ridiculously good players. These are not, you know, flash in the pan type of players that we're worried about. So I do think in all of these cases, the correction is coming. I think that's the theme here. Uh, I totally agree. Harrison Barnes is not gonna is not gonna do this all year, is he? Harry B. Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony, fast start. We talked about it before the season. Carmelo is like he comes out, he he was what at the start of last year he was playing great. Like he is ready to play and then Age, I think, catches up, which is understandable. Matt, in FanDuel last night, so I'm playing with my boys, and I've got a 30-point lead on Keelan, and he's got two guys left at the end of the night, Jalen Green and Carmelo Anthony. I was like, I can do this, man. Melo's not going to. And Melo just lit it up, took the lead at the very end of the match, and and beat me. So thanks a lot, Carmelo. (laughs) 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Steve, you uh, also wrote over the weekend about Cole Anthony, who in two games this weekend went for 24 points, five boards, five dimes, then 15 points, 10 rebounds, three assists, again, in back-to-back games, in a total of eight threes. Aside from not getting defensive stats, really, Cole Anthony is in the middle of a pretty impressive breakout for Orlando. What are your thoughts on what we've seen from him? What's his free throw shooting look like? I think 81%. Okay. All right. I wasn't I wrote about a lot of things this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Cole Anthony, the breakout is happening right before our eyes. I think we talked about this maybe on the last pod. I was like, I asked um, Ryan and oh, I think it was a, uh, I asked somebody, I was like, did we sleep on Cole Anthony? And we're like, yes, I think we did. Uh, Almost 18 points, seven boards, five assists, almost a steal, no blocks to speak of. I don't think he has blocked a single shot this year and I don't care. Um, He's been awesome, man. And I mean, is... Markel Fultz going to come back and rain on this parade someday, possibly. But Cole Anthony has has played well enough and gained enough confidence that you know he is going to play point guard for this team, whether Markel Fultz is back or not. And speaking of Markel Fultz, we don't we haven't heard about him or or any updates on him for a long time. So uh, I love Cole Anthony. I wish I would have drafted him uh, more than I did the same, same as mile bridge miles bridges. I don't think I took bridges anywhere. And I, I don't know that I got Cole Anthony anywhere. I do think that the lack of steals, I find less than one steal from a point guard, very much less than ideal. But when you look at the rest of the numbers and the fact that this guy's averaging nearly seven and a half rebounds per game, that can kind of help offset that. Uh, I don't know that that's a huge number and I, he's not a huge guard. So I'm a little bit fascinated by that stat and i do think he had didn't he have like a 15 or 16 rebound game or something in there i think so yeah i'm trying to make sense of the rebounding but i mean he had a 10 rebound game over the season over the weekend so seven and a half may not be realistic but clearly he is rebounding really well and so he's going to be an asset there uh overall i I really like it dude that monster that monster line was october 24th so a week ago sunday it was 29 points 16 boards, eight assists with a steal, five three pointers. 
Uh, that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So yeah, and and to your to your point about steals, uh, I wish he had one steal again too. But for a guy that you got at the very end of your draft or like after the eighth round, yeah. doesn't yeah. matter. The other funny thing is the Orlando Magic. You know he's playing so well for them and doing so much. And the only game they've won this season was his twenty nine point sixteen rebound eight assist game. <laughs> that's their one win. Steve, I'm now going to read you the stats of a Boston Celtics big man. 13 points per game, 10.5 rebounds, 3 assists, 1.3 steals, 3.8 blocks. That's through four games. Naturally, you say that's the Time Lord himself, Robert Williams. No, Steve. That is Al Horford, the resurgent, ageless 35-year-old Al Horford. We laughed. We've laughed a lot about Horford getting shut down for about 85 games at the end of last season by the Thunder. I think the blurb said something like, Al Horford, parentheses, rest, will not play in Oklahoma City's final 25 games or something along those lines, which still cracks me up. But it is worth remembering that before all that happened, Horford had some huge stat lines for the Thunder um, for a a short stretch. But the signs were there that Horford can still put up numbers. He's 35 now. And I do think that the big difference this year is he's on a team with some playoff aspirations. So Look, 3.8 blocks per game is ridiculous. We're not expecting anything like that. But I do think Horford is kind of a bona fide fantasy option, I think, Steve, right? I mean, are are you believing that Horford uh, can stay fantasy viable in Boston? Yeah. um, Ryan Knauss and I both talked about it before the season. I was was like, am I crazy to think that Al Horford could be good in Boston? Because he was really good last year before OKC shut it down. Also, on that note, Derek Favors is the starting center for OKC right now. I give him till Christmas before we get a Derek Favors out for the rest of the season due to beach time. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I I drafted Al Horford a lot this year. And I play Al Horford a lot. And I am thrilled to see what's going on. Now, 24 points, 10.5 boards, uh, 3.8 blocks. That – that is not all of that is not sustainable. I don't thirteen. Think. He's at thirteen points. I think you said twenty-four. Oh, his per yeah, is twenty-four. Yeah, I'm sorry. I learned the wrong thing. So thirteen points, ten and a half boards. That sounds better. Yeah. Three point eight blocks. You know, that's basically what he did last year when he was playing for OKC. The blocks are a little bit lower. So I did, I don't know that he can keep it at this level all year, but the guy can play power forward just as well as he can play center. So he's truly multi-positional and apparently the Celtics love him and they're going to keep rolling him out there. So what's he getting 30, 30 minutes mm-hmm. a game right now. That's, that's ideal. As long as he's getting 30 minutes a game, he's going to put up numbers. I'm sure we're going to see a lot of rest for him throughout the season. And where I have drafted him, I'm starting to think about, can I put him into some two for two or three for three trade offers where he looks like, and I, I, I would not hesitate to trade him away at this point. Uh, if I have him, just because I do think there's a little bit of an outlier nature, especially to those defensive stats. 1.3 steals and 3.5 blocks so far. 3.5? Where did I get 3.8? Somewhere. Uh, I see 3.8. Got it. Okay, I was looking two places. 3.8 blocks. But I also had him averaging 24 points <laughs> a game. So. You did. But yes, so Al Horford is a, it appears to be a real thing. And meanwhile, the real... Uh, it, 
the guy that we are most excited about in that front court, Robert Williams, <laughs> is averaging 10.4 points, 9.2 rebounds, 1.8 dimes, 1.2 steals, 3.2 blocks himself. So the good news is those guys are coexisting. They have Robert Williams missed the last game with illness. Al Horford has missed a game or two. But the bottom line is it, there are signs that those two can coexist. It's not like Al Horford is is crushing Robert Williams with his fast start. So that's great news. And by the way, these guys are averaging seven blocks per game combined. That that is not going to last. But I do think can the time lord average three point two? I would I would still take the under on that, Steve. Probably like something like two point five would make me very happy. I think he's going to average three a game. You do. That's that's his jam, man. He loves blocking shots. That's what he wants to do. Yeah. Well, so those two are working out really well. Uh, both Al Horford on a per game basis returning first round value right now. Robert Williams is returning second round value on a per game basis. I would obviously expect Al Horford to drop quite a bit, but can he be like a when he plays a top fifty, top sixty guy? Does that feel believable to you? Yep. All right. Steve, uh, I have just a couple, couple other things here. Um, Isaiah Stewart, pretty. we've talked about some brutal starts today. Isaiah Stewart is off to a brutal start. Another young player that we all liked quite a bit coming into the season. People were drafting him pretty aggressively in the leagues we play in. Do you have any perspective on the slow start we've seen from Stewart? I did not end up with Stewart on a single team because, like you said, people were being aggressive drafting him. And it, he was going at times like two or three rounds higher than I was thinking he would. And I was like, someone just used a fourth or fifth round pick on Isaiah Stewart. Like that's, that is aggressive. The whole Kelly Olenek factor made me nervous from the get go. Jeremy Grant is still the guy that's, that's leading that team. Um, you've got Sadiq Bay coming on. So I did, I just, I don't know. Um, and then Cade Cunningham is going to come in and need, need touches and need the ball, which is going to add another wrench to it. Stewart's at eight and a half points, six and a half boards and one block. So there's room for him to grow there. I just don't know that he has the offensive gifts to average, you know, 16 points or 15 points in the NBA. I mean, I think that the Olenek addition is a big factor. I just, yeah, what? I don't know. I, I do think better days are probably ahead for him in the second half. I mean, the Pistons obviously are, and I think our latest NBC Sports Edge blurb says something to this effect. I mean, when, the focus is only going to turn more and more to player development. But, yeah, this is not what you're expecting if you drafted Isaiah Stewart early, obviously. And I, I don't really know what else you can do other than stay patient because his minutes are around have been around 20 in recent games. He's clearly not the highest priority right now for that team yet and I, I mean i think you're either if your league's deep enough you're still starting him based on those numbers you said eight and a half points six and a half rebounds in a block but in a standard size league i mean or a shallower league you're thinking about benching him and just trying to stay patient and uh wait this thing out but it could be a while yeah i think if you're in a 10 team league or maybe an 18 league i, I kind of feel like he's he's in that chris bosch uh range where in a 10-team league with all these good players sitting out there on the waiver wire, do I really need to stress about dropping Isaiah Stewart? I mean, I love his nickname, Beef Stew. I love Isaiah Stewart. But, you know, there's 10-team league, Al Horford was probably sitting out there at the start of the season. I'd rather have Al than, than Stewart, at least right now. By the way, Steve, you did it again. You called Chris Boucher Chris Bosh. No, I did not. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, he did. Oh, no. Really? See, now it's going to be a thing forever. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I used to do that with uh, Rudy Gay and Brandon Roy, man. I just, oh, this is awful. This is terrible. <laughs> Chris Bosch. There's like a... um the circuitry in your brain there's definitely a wire that is has been clipped or has been crossed with another wire oh man it's here to stay well the fact i did it and had no clue that i did it at least i kind of i think i caught myself when i was writing it and when i said it the first time but yeah man uh, thanks matt that time you just went right past it i'm just gonna go check myself into the into the uh facility today when we're right after this podcast i'm gonna put my slippers and my my uh you know my uh what is it nightgown my bathrobe I'm gonna put my bathrobe on just have my wife wheel me on over there okay sounds like a plan that is going to on that note i think we are going to depart don't forget to subscribe and have a podcast on no Spotify. i thought we were gonna what i thought we were gonna talk about Cade cunningham oh you want to talk about Cade cunningham okay yeah i thought sure. didn't you say we were yeah, yeah, yeah. It would, it would only be fitting for this episode, as as smooth as we've been today, to uh, have a have a false start sign off. Kate Cunningham. Well, you love it when I interrupt your sign offs, right? Nothing like when better. you're right in the middle of it. Nothing better. Um, go ahead with introduce Kate Cunningham. I mean, I was just we we both read this morning that uh, he's not going to play back to backs at the moment as he recovers from his ankle injury. It's just uh, this whole thing, this uh, Kate Cunningham Rookie of the Year campaign is. Not off to a tremendous start here, Steve. Yeah, I think it's funny. Uh, James Edwards covers the Detroit Pistons, and he's on Twitter. He's like, guys, because people are just Pistons fans are freaking out, like losing their minds, conspiracy theories, everything else. He's like, guys, he sprained his ankle. The most mild ankle sprains can sometimes take three or four weeks. He was out three or four weeks. Why is there such a conspiracy with this? And then, you know, of course, everybody just came at him after that. And his whole thread is just talking mostly about Cade Cunningham. We have an entire season in front of us. Why is everyone panicking? There have been other rookies that have started off on the Cade uh, Cunningham trajectory and ended up having disastrous results. Uh, Blake Griffin missed the entire season. I think Greg Oden is a guy you can throw in that in that um, bucket. Am I worried about Cade Cunningham? I am. I, I don't think I drafted him anywhere either. I didn't get him because everybody was reaching uh, so hard to get him when I had other aspirations. Uh, so I'm this guy I don't really think about too much, a guy I never consider using in DFS because he he's only played one game. And like these fans are saying, his his injury is a little vague and it is a little mysterious. Like we don't know. I don't know exactly what's wrong with him. So uh, they're going to be super careful with him. And I guess that's good news for Killian Hayes, who doesn't really do a lot for me. <laughs> I'm I'm more on the side of not being worried about Kate Cunningham at all. I think I'm on the James Edwards side of this. It's an ankle sprain. Ankles, you know, I I, I don't know. I think it's way too soon to be worried. I, I I mean, you hate to see rookie not playing back-to-backs, you know, at the start of the season. And th- that aspect of it is is pretty rough. Uh, but I don't know. All right. Ultimately, I think I'd, I'd rather trade for him than... I'd, I'd rather get him onto my rosters where I don't have him than, than vice versa. Okay. All right, Matt, get us out of here. 
Take it home. Okay, now we're leaving. That is going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. We are back every weekday, Tuesday through Friday, Monday through Friday. Thanks to everyone for listening and for watching with us. Steve, thanks to you. I'll talk to you soon. All right. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.